1: From Myanmar to the United States. Their dreams and hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. This is She Talks Peace.
2: I think we from civil society, we tend to shy away from interaction with politicians and political leaders. Big mistake. Because politicians, political leaders, they are the ones who have the power to direct the effort of government. And if we shy away from politicians, then we're doing ourselves a disservice. Salam, everyone. This is Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, greeting you from Manila. And here's my co-host.
3: Hi, everybody. This is Ayessa, and I'm joining you from Albuquerque International University, based here in
2: Alostar, Kedah, Malaysia. Hi, Amina. Hey, Ayessa. So, have you gotten over the jet lag? from Indonesia to, to Kedah. Yeah, we had a lot of
3: fun while in Yogyakarta the whole of this week, from Monday to Friday. Yeah, it was really a lot of work and a lot of fun as well for both of us and our ASEAN Women Peace Registry ladies.
2: You know, dear listeners, Ayesai and I were together in a conference was held in Yogyakarta, or as the Indonesians would say, Yogyakarta. Jogja, <laughs> Or Jogja for short. And it was organized by the Ministry uh, of Women's Empowerment and uh, Child Protection of Indonesia. And uh, the purpose of the conference was really to focus attention on implementing the Regional Plan of Action for Women, Peace, and Security. But before we go into that, Ayesa and I are going to try and entice you to come and spend some tourism money in (laughs) (laughs) Jogjakarta because we had so much fun eating, 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 (laughs) and then doing um, a lot of interesting side visits. What did you think about, about our first visit, Ayesa, the one to the Peace Village?
3: Oh, yes. yeah. We were able to visit uh, this peace village organized by the Wahid Institute, led by Yeni Wahid, the eldest daughter of a former uh, president of Indonesia. What was his first name, Wahid? <laughs> Gusdur. We call him Gusdur. He's more popular no- known as Gusdur. So, Yeni Wahid has this peace village and uh, we had the opportunity not only to visit the village, but also to meet the local people and leaders who were doing the work for this peace village.
2: Yeah, that, was, that was really an amazing visit. I had heard from Yeni about the peace village for a while now, and I've always wanted to go, never got the chance to visit. And it was really amazing uh, a live community where uh, the empowerment of women was a central principle for the Foundation for Peace. And of course, having a lot of these uh, women micro-entrepreneurs around, there was a little bazaar. And while we were listening to some of the talks, we were also doing some shopping.
3: I was too late in realizing that you can actually continue to listen to You know, to the talks. At the same time, you know, you can do shopping. Because it's right, everything was happening, you know, there at the middle of the, you know, the peace village. And it was outdoors. Yeah, just to explain also to our viewers what this peace village is all about. Because normally when we say, okay, we want to build a peace village, you know, it can be just very symbolic. You have a place and then you're supposed to do promotion of peaceful values and all that but this peace village is actually more than that this is really a space for women and those who like to support women not only are they trained about leadership about community organization about micro enterprises but also of course taught how you know how do they protect their their rights you know as women and how they can actually be part of political participation and even to help each other not only among sisters, but also those men who also are interested to support women, especially uh, to to help women who are victims of sexual and gender based violence. You know, anything that the women needs, they can get their support from this Peace Village. And the ones that are helping them are their fellow community leaders, not somebody who is parachuting, you know, from outside Yogyakarta and then telling them what to do, but. It's they themselves, the community who's doing the lots of this work, you know, and in helping their own neighbors. And the peace village has not only grown into one or two peace villages, but you know, it has grown actually to several hundreds of peace villages. Yep, hundreds all over. Yeah, all over Indonesia. And they, they continue to expand. So it was really amazing. And good job for to Yenny and the Wahid
2: Institute, we are so impressed. Yeah. And uh, it's really great that the Ministry for Women's Empowerment and Child Protection of Indonesia has been fully supportive of yes. the Peace Village and really supporting the expansion.
3: Good support from the Indonesian government. So yeah. to them, our hats off.
2: <laughs> and what I really, what I really like about the concept of the... Peace village, you know, in Indonesia and also in Malaysia, the village is called Kampong, right? Yes. And uh, in Mindanao, in my home uh, in Sulu, when you say Kampong, you mean relative. So here you have a Kampong, a village where all members of the community come together. And because Indonesia had also been suffering from violent extremism or extremism in general, The Indonesian government uh, saw the wisdom of uh, Wahid Foundation's Peace Village to, in a way, inoculate the village from the lure of extremism. So, you have a community coming together, and in order to be able to merit the title of Peace Village, they must have a safe zone for children, protection of children. They must make sure. That the women of the village are treated as equal partners. And remember uh, the the talk of the Wahid Foundation that lately they have also now included environmental protection in their uh, pillars to be uh, called a peace village. And that environmental protection um, uh, pillar was very evident when I did my shopping. They're amazing. They had all kinds of batik, of course. But you remember, Ayesa, that they were using uh, native leaves that had dyeing, uh, that you could use as dye. That's right. And the women showed so us what they were doing it. They had the shawl, a cotton shawl. They put the leaves, you know, designed the pattern, and they were just crushing. They were just uh, hammering the leaves so that the dye would come up and stain. The pattern was, and it was so beautiful, Ayesa. I I bought several. How many did you buy, Ayesa? Oh, uh? well, I bought a shawl, of course, and then hat and also a hat. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I saw your hat. That's really really
3: cool. And amazingly, uh, Amina, when we went to the afternoon session, because I I started to wear the hat. Yeah. Okay. When we went to the afternoon session the lady who made that hat came up to me and wanted to take a picture with me. Oh, Aww. that was great, yeah. She was so proud that I, w- I bought the hat and I was wearing it. So I told her it's it's such a wonderful product and I will always wear it and remember her.
2: And I guess uh, she really wanted to take a hat uh, with you in it because you really did look cute with the hat on
3: <laughs> <laughs> I should have a Next time, I will wear that hat. You know. <laughs> yes. Hopefully, when we invite Yeni you know, and Arshi Talks Peace, then I will wear that hat and
2: the shawl. Yeah, it, it, would be, it would be great to have her talk about the vision of the Peace Village and the plans. And I was just wondering, Ayessa, we have similar villages in uh, Muslim Mindanao. We have similar villages in Malaysia. Do you think this concept of the peace village would work where you are and where where I'm from?
3: I think here in Malaysia, we do also have this what we call Rukon Tatanga. The Rukon Tatanga has been organized uh, precisely to address or rather to strengthen um, unity and harmony among all the different uh, peoples of Malaysia. As you know, we are actually very diverse. We have uh, the Malays, the Chinese, the Indians and a lot more of indigenous peoples like even the Malays we know that there are Bruneian Malays, a lot of different kinds of Malays, you know. So in the rural uh, not only rural communities but throughout Malaysia it has been organized that we have this rukon tatanga. and the idea is that there is a space you know for a, a lo- uh, for the neighborhood you know to socialize and to do projects even to build uh, tadika Tadika is the kindergarten school. So, in many of the Rukun Tatanga, we actually have kindergarten schools where we want to encourage different uh, children, you know, different uh, children rather of different ethnicities, you know, the Chinese, the Malay kids, to go there so that that is their first space of socialization, you know, so that they get to know each other. So, we have that concept. But knowing, you know, how we are today as a modern society, everything is fast paced. You know, people just go to the malls if you want to socialize and a lot of more of uh, you know uh, other places so I think this kind of peace village can still work in the rural communities because there in the rural communities you still have a, this strong bond between neighborhoods but maybe not so much in the big cities especially if you live in the high rise condominiums and apartments maybe that is something that is not doable but I think In the rural communities, we can, in the rural campos, we can do a similar peace village here in Malaysia.
2: We'll try to promote that. I was really thinking that uh, maybe uh, the Wahid Foundation can come to Mindanao and uh, have a discussion with the leaders of the Bangsamoro Autonomous Region and see whether it can be replicated in uh, collaboration. With the Wahid Foundation. So it's really great, you know, that um, Indonesian Minister uh, Gusti Ayu Bintang Dharmawati, the Minister for, for Women's Empowerment and Child Protection, is uh, so supportive of this and so supportive of the Women's Peace and Security Agenda. The two day conference that they hosted was fantastic. You had, uh, I don't know, I think there were maybe 200 or more. Uh, people from all over ASEAN civil society was very well represented there. In fact, they had their own uh, side meetings. We were there as the ASEAN Women for Peace Registry and many of the international organizations were there also as well as the bilateral, all supporting the Regional Plan of Action on Women, Peace, and Security.
3: Shall we name them Amina? Oh, yes. Yeah who are the external partners who, at the end of the summit, you know, they further you know, committed to the implementation of the regional plan of action. So we had Canada, Australia, U.S., Japan, Netherlands, United Kingdom, and Norway. So all of them said that, yes, we will be with you in this ASEAN regional plan of action on WPS agenda. So that's that's good to know
0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: What was your takeaway, Ayesa, from the summit?
3: Well, as you mentioned, Amina, we had several sectoral bodies from ASEAN. ACWC is there, ACW. These are the Commission on the Protection of Women and Children, and besides that, of course, we you know we were able to participate for the first time the ASEAN Women Peace Registry. But I was also hoping that you know more ASEAN sectoral bodies could have been invited. You know, uh, it's already also good to meet somebody from AIPA. AIPA is the ASEAN Interparliamentary Assembly. So this is the association of all our parliamentarians, uh, people in the Philippines, uh, members of the Congress. Uh, who are, you know, who was represented there by the chair herself? Uh, the chair this time from IPA is somebody from Brunei. So it was really good to be engaging with her in these discussions. And she, in fact, gave a lot of suggestions how IPA can be more active. So my thinking is that next time we should really involve other ASEAN sectoral bodies to increase and expand our network on who can support WPS one example of that is ICHR you know unfortunately i didn't meet ichr and and some of the human rights institutions they should be there as well because we have a lot of uh, synergy when it comes to human rights issues and wps so more should be invited and of course the young people i think you know it, it's good to see that in indonesia when we were visiting the east villages the indonesian government made an an effort to invite and, and involve uh, young Indonesians you know during our field uh, field trips So I think you know ASEAN uh, young leaders from ASEAN should also be part of this of this WPS.
2: It's really good that you talked about different sectoral bodies and sectors really coming together to support this regional plan of action on women peace and security sometimes, I think we from civil society, we tend to shy away from interaction with politicians and political leaders. Big mistake. Because politicians, political leaders, they are the ones who have the power to direct the efforts of government. And if we shy away from politicians, then we're doing ourselves a a disservice. So it was really good to hear from the uh, the chair no, of the uh, ASEAN Interparliamentary Association. And I was surprised when you told me that she's from Brunei. I didn't realize that Brunei had active women in their parliament. Did you have a chance to talk to this young Bruneian parliamentarian, Ayasa?
3: Unfortunately not, Amina. But I was part of this... Uh a breakaway session, and it was there. Well, we were talking, you know, together with the whole group, and we were. Uh, that was when she was making suggestions and advices, and I was also, you know, responding to some of her suggestions. But on a personal note, yeah, there were just too many <laughs> things going on that day that I totally com- uh, forgot you know, to network with her. You know, too bad. Next time, I we should find out how we can meet her again.
2: There were so many sessions. For instance, um, I always worried that the the women Peace and Security agenda is sort of too tied up with actual armed conflict. That's right. So I was very happy that in the conference organized by the Indonesian uh, Ministry for Women Empowerment and Child Protection, that they did focus attention on new challenges new threats security the emerging issues and the panel for instance that i was chairing when you were looking at cross-border issues and challenges that you know the women peace and security agenda could also impact on you know issues like what's going on with migrant workers and it from ASEAN, the major labor-sending countries are Indonesia and uh, Philippines. The others, Vietnam, also sends um, uh, migrant workers abroad. And what happens to them when they go to the labor-receiving countries, so in Middle East and North Africa, for instance, they get radicalized. Some of them get radicalized. They uh, there We've got a lot of issues on uh, abuse, trafficking in persons, And since there are more and more women who are entering the migration stream, then you have a lot of this uh, uh, violation, sexual harassment, sexual abuse of women. And all of this put together will become another security threat for the countries that are sending them when they come back and all of these uh, violations are not addressed. So I'm glad that that came up in the discussion. Then, of course, the issue of uh, the internally displaced people, not just because of conflict, but because of typhoons and tsunamis and uh, volcanic... Natural disasters. Natural disasters. If they're... their needs are not addressed. And, you know, in many areas, you've got to admit, they haven't been addressed for a while because maybe the local governments are too poor. But if you don't address these issues, they fester and then they become another security threat. And then, of course, Ayesa, your favorite topic, cybersecurity, the role of artificial intelligence, where recruitment is happening online where a lot of money remittance flows are now being diverted into support of crime or violent extremism. All of these threats don't just focus on areas of actual armed conflict, but affect the whole country, the nation at large. So, you know, we need to have more discussions about these threats that affect the whole whole country, especially cybersecurity. Security, your area of interest.
3: Yes, you know it's actually amusing that you know among all the countries during the conference, it's really um, the Singaporeans who are you know who who is making this as a priority cybersecurity. I guess given that you know uh, Singapore is um, you know it has a very high penetration
1: rate, you
3: know with uh, with the internet, and uh, I guess also because of you know the value of the internet, where you have potentially um, a place, a technology that can be misused to promote violence. You know, hate speech. You know, a lot of these things are also part of our women peace security agenda you know, uh, vision. You know how? It, remember, conflict is not only uh, and violence is not only about physical violence, but you know all the more with structural violence, and even the culture of violence. So that is something that is under the purview of um, the internet, which is a very important uh, channel of communication for all of us. So we will be seeing more of all these uh, emerging issues, uh, not only in humanitarian crisis, but also in cybersecurity and even in the artificial intelligence. What also came out from one of the sessions is that the need for us in ASEAN to include the private sector. Come on, all these big companies, you know, promoting, uh, uh, doing AI, you know, they have to be the first one, I think, that we need to get on board for them to appreciate what we're trying to do with WPS agenda because they are the ones in control of our technology. So perhaps next time, you know, these... um, Technology experts should now be part of our WPS campaign.
2: Good luck with that. I can just uh, see Mark Zuckerberg saying, "Yeah, we really need to police ourselves better." Yeah. (laughs) Or China saying, "Yes, we have to police TikTok better." Yeah. (laughs) About TikTok only. (laughs) That's a serious challenge, and that's why it was important that these issues were discussed because ASEAN as a collective of 10 uh, member states, if they put their influence together, should we, I guess, be able to uh, at least fraud the telcos and this uh, meta, Twitter, TikTok to also you know, provide safeguards.
3: We are always worried about media and how media shapes The news, you know, everyday news and how actually it is very effective in escalating or de-escalating conflict. Now we have social media, which all our children are using. So if we make sure that our social media do not also escalate conflict, then we are building, you know, a more peaceful society,
2: hopefully. Hopefully. But I was rather amazed in a way to find out that so many women from ASEAN have been participating in the UN peacekeepers. And not just, you know, administrative people, clerks, manning the office, but actually out there, together with the, the men in uh, peacekeeping forces all over the world. And there was that uh, discussion about meaningful participation and, of, and leadership of women in UN peacekeeping Operations and some of the recommendations I thought were spot on, where women should actually be given more leadership. And you remember the discussion we had with the deputy wing commander, with, uh, with Kelly. And she was uh, Miss Kelly from Australia. From Australia. She was sharing her experience about being the only woman in this group. That was having interaction with the community, and at lunchtime, the men uh, they just got fed fried chicken, but she because she was interacting with the community leaders, especially the women, not only was she getting more information that they that the whole team needed, but she got better food <laughs> because she got <laughs> and fruits among others. So the value of women. In the UN peacekeeping operations, uh, is tremendous. If only they could be given more meaningful participation and actual leadership. So there were so many uh, really good uh, conversations and good recommendations that came out of that uh, that conference. But at the end of the day, Ayesa, what do you think? Is this going to help uh, civil society push? The eight other countries of ASEAN in having national action plans for women, peace, and security. Because as of today, only two countries have the Philippines and Indonesia. And your adoptive country, Malaysia, you don't have it yet. So, what do you think? Try to help. Well, they are now
3: doing. I heard that they are. You no, know, uh, the Ministry of Defense is the one leading you know uh, the charting of this uh, national action plan but we have yet to engage with them so we'll see but i think uh, as uh, also as a takeaway at the end of the conference we had our own session you know informal session as asean women peace registry ladies and yeah i think so far we are all united and really encouraging that asean member countries should come up with a national action plan not only you know, in parcel or in some parts, integrating it in, in some of their ministries. But I think all of us are in agreement that we should advocate that all ASEAN member countries should have a national action plan. So that is our main task from here on, Amina, and all the ASEAN Women Peace Registry ladies.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is, it is really quite lucky that uh, I guess that was the intention of the ASEAN Institute for Peace and Reconciliation, uh, the ASEAN body that hosts the ASEAN Women for Peace uh, registry. That was the intention to have the members of the registry come from diverse backgrounds. So we had really strong women diplomats. Ambassador Nongnu is fantastic. You have academics who have specialized also in religion. And uh, in peace uh, building, we have a couple of business women and a lot of civil society uh, leaders, as well as uh, leaders who come from the uh, security sector. Like I believe, one of our colleagues from Brunei, right, is with the with the security sector. So collectively, I think we should be able to also help lobby, nudge our governments to have a national action plan on women peace and security, but hopefully not a, an action plan that's created by government alone, but one that is prepared in collaboration and with the cooperation of all the sectors of, of our nation. But having said that, I go back to shopping, Ayesa, <laughs> and I and, and I really have to, you know, give a little promotion here for our listeners. If you ever want to have a nice vacation with great food and not expensive, mind you, wonderful shopping, batik, batik, and more batik, Jakarta is the place to go. You're really going to enjoy it. And of course, Ayes and I were not able to to do this because we didn't have time. But uh, you can go to the oldest Hindu temple in mm-hmm. uh, South Asia, and it's called gurubudur Beautiful, okay, yeah. beautiful place. I was there a long time ago. I really did want to go there this time, but we, we ran out of time. And um, who knows, if you go to this street called Malyoboro, which seems to be that's that's the tourist uh, area in Jogjakarta. Jakarta. That's the Batik
3: Center, Amina. That's why we were able to see lots of different kinds of batiks because everywhere from Indonesia who makes batik, they supply to Malioboro
2: Street. And you had uh, horse-drawn carriages for the tourists who want to feel like they they you know were living. 100 years ago, no cars, right? No cars, you had uh, horse-drawn carriages going up and down Malyoboro.
3: We were able also to go to the vicinity of the Prabanan Temple. But at least we went to the restaurant near that site and we watched, we had a wonderful one-hour show watching the Ramayana dance. Uh, I think you enjoy it best because you fully remember the story of the Ramayana. I I vaguely remember it, yeah. but it was really good to see the show.
2: It's an amazing story about Rama and the love of his life. Uh, Sinta. Uh, Sinta was uh, abducted by this ugly dude. And the whole story <laughs> is about how Rama gets uh, Sinta back with the help of the Monkey King. Right? Hanuman. So dear listeners, I hope that our chat today with Ayesa has perked your interest, not only in going to Jakarta for a vacation, but also in finding out more about the Women, Peace, and Security agenda and the value it brings to keeping our world secure, our world safe, so that We can do more vacations and uh, more shopping in places like Jogjakarta. What do you think, Ayesa? Is that correct? Sure, and
3: and visit the Peace Village by Wahid Institute.
2: Yeah, I will go back there, Ayesa.
3: Yeah, me too.
2: So, dear listeners, thank you for joining Ayesa and me in this uh, reminiscence of our. Wonderful trip to Yogyakarta, Indonesia. And I hope that you join us again for the next episode of She Talks Peace. So this is Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy saying bye for now and see you again soon. Ayesa.
3: Before I say goodbye, I want to remind our audience that they can actually send us an email at SheTalksPlease at uh, podcast.gmail.com and we are also in Twitter and in Instagram. So please do follow us. So until next episode, bye everybody. Bye Amina. Bye.
1: Wear the nice hat, Ayesa. Uh... She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co.